Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody here, we made it. Only, and only just. <laughs> only just, only just. But I want to thank Paul, first of all, for his amazing time. He's given absolutely everybody here. There's 248 people scanned in through the, through, the, through the turnstiles, if you want to call it today. And I know we don't usually start with rounds of applause, but I want to get you to give all of yourselves a round of applause for your patience and your time, and also for Paul's time as well. So thank you very much. Also... Also, we're going to do something that's more a bit different to start off the podcast, Paddy, because usually we leave gifts, and, gifts and, and things like that until the end. But I think it's very, very fitting. Paul has been doing a wonderful, wonderful campaign over the month of January for Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. And he doesn't know anything about this, but on behalf of the podcast, we'd like to, we'd like to donate 500 euros in everybody's name here to the podcast. To Paul and to the wonderful Tracy that's down there, all the work you guys do with Acquired Brain Injury Ireland, it's, it's close to all of our hearts and it's, just, it's certainly close to Paul's. So thank you so, so much to everybody who came today and, and, and for everybody who, who gets involved in any charities out there, specifically Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. So, Paul, <laughs> how are you? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Excellent. Be- behave, behave myself anyway. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could ask the same question to the man over there and he might no. give me a different answer. But, uh, <laughs> but Paul, like, as I say, thank you so much for coming here today. And, and, and uh, I think everybody here is probably 
well, they're beside themselves if you're like me. I'm sorry, I'm a small bit emotional. I'm going to be really honest here because I'm going to. St- I didn't. I did. I said I wasn't going to get into this, but I, I know some of you have heard my origin story. But this man sitting here beside me is my idol. He's the man who got me following football, playing football, following Aston Villa. And I've told everyone, anyone who listens to the podcast knows the story of me sitting at home watching a game, Villa versus Crystal Palace, and a defender stood out. And uh, it, it, it's actually a funny one because we might have something that I think might have actually even happened in that game as well that I didn't know about. Defenders stood out and then I saw him playing for Ireland again on Wednesday. And after that, my heart was set in stone. Aston Villa was my team. So, Paul, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for giving me the gift of Aston Villa and the gift of football. And also, I, I love Paul so much, I even changed my curry sauce from McDonald's to Chef Curry Sauce as well. So, we are influenced... They'd be glad to hear that. They'd be glad to hear that. <laughs> but Paul, I, I mentioned there as well that you're, you're obviously an idol for an awful lot of people in Ireland and, and an awful lot of people that are, are here today. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question to start off. Who was your sporting idol? and Who was who the person that you wanted to follow into the game of football? Um, Pele. Pele? Yeah. You wanted to stop him. You said, this guy's uh, scoring too many goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he, no, he was my first uh, hero. Yeah. Um, and Peter Osgood as well. He was another one from Chelsea, 1970. He was, he was a great goal scorer. And I thought, uh, I'm sure I could score goals like he does. But um, that never happened, obviously. <laughs> and, um, but Chelsea was the first team that I, you know, um, I, I fell in love with back in, in, I hate saying this, 1970. <laughs> So, okay. so, yeah, but, but um, a long, long time ago. <laughs> not long enough. No, it's not. It's not at all, I'm no, sure. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. I, the, bit, the big question now, Paul, is when Chelsea play Villa, what's, what's the yeah, carrot and blue persuasion? Oh, it's Villa now. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's definitely Villa now. Villa, Villa took over, to be honest. Uh, you did score your fair share of goals. Um... Well, I wouldn't say I was, you know, up there with some of the other lads that were scoring the yeah. goals, even at our defenders. Derek Mountfield, I think, scored mm. f- loads of goals. He was brilliant to play. He'd have had like a bullet, didn't he? Oh, <laughs> but to be fair, him and Kent, when, when I first went there and him and Kent Nielsen yeah. were down there, it was just, they were brilliant to play alongside because I just let them head everything. And yeah. uh, I, I was just saying, get that one. You should get that one. <laughs> you, you're able to get that one. Go on, go get it. So you were the decoy runner, uh, was it? Well, I was just the lad who just told them what to do and just sat back <laughs> and, and relaxed and enjoyed it, enjoyed the games. But there were fabulous players to play alongside. And, and Ron, uh, or I think it was Ron, had, had us... Uh, oh, no, it was, it was... Sorry, it was Graham. Graham Taylor. Graham yeah. Taylor had us, um, you know, just working things out between ourselves back then. So, and I worked out that I'd be in the middle, of course. <laughs> and they would do a lot of the work. <laughs> that's, that's the way that worked out. Work smarter, not harder, Paul. Work smarter, <laughs> not harder. That's, that's, I'm a big fan of that motto, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm conscious we won't have much time with you, Paul. So I just wanted to ask you, of, of the period you spent with Aston Villa, what were your favourite time, your favourite seasons, eh? Um, well, we got a lot of uh, Liverpool players at once, a couple of stages, and I just thought it was brilliant because uh, I think Dean Saunders came down. Dalian came from Sheffield Wednesday. Was it Sheffield Wednesday he came from? And Dean Saunders came from Liverpool as well. So mm. Liverpool kind of just were so good to us. That, that was when uh, 
when yeah. Graeme Soonis decided he didn't want any Irishmen, yeah. he sent them all down to us. Well, well honestly, yeah, that's yeah. It, that's what it seemed like because um, the players we were we were were getting in back then were just brilliant. They were all um, they were all hilarious as well. They were all funny. <laughs> no, they were they were just funny people, but great having a squad. Yeah. And, and as soon as they came down, uh, the squad kind of just took off because we had cast then come up from. Is that Chelsea as well? Millwall was Millwall. Mil- Mil- yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, shouldn't have took off. <laughs> Should not have took cast. It's all making uh, sense now, isn't it? No, he, was br- he was brilliant as well. But And they were the, the sorts of people we got in. A lot of, um, you know, L- London lads, but they, but they were loving the chance of playing for Ireland. And, and they uh, assimilated very quickly. And uh, we just banded as a, as a group of players and drinkers, I have to say. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it worked. And, you know, it worked for a long but, time. By God, it worked. Because when you came along in, in 1985 into the Ireland team, it was a huge transition was about to happen. Yeah. But I was, obviously I wasn't um, one of the real, real drinkers or anything like that. But <laughs> damn. Did, did I get away with it? <laughs> no, but... Um, no, but the, the, it, was, it was a great bunch of lads to work for, uh, with. And... Um, as I said, we, we eventually gelled into a really, really good team. And, and we still had Liam Brady and people like that who were actually brilliant footballers. And, and they, made it, they made everything tick. I want to take you back to a little journey that actually started in Limerick. Um, Ireland were due to play Austria on a, a Wednesday night. And you left Limerick on the Monday, or the Tuesday, to head up to um, have, have some fish and chips. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know if we... Do you I remember eating the fish and chips? No, I don't know whether we ever got the fish and chips, but we intended to get fish and chips and all this sort of thing, but I think we were, we were um, tricked into this thing of, of having as much as we could eat uh, with the fish and chips, <laughs> and that kind of ruined us for the, for the actual match, <laughs> which, which, uh, w- which we might have lost. Did we lose that one? I think it was a draw, wasn't it, which effectively it ended that, the day. That's not yeah. too bad. We ended... <laughs> It's not too bad on fish and chips, I'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, also, there's, there's someone here, um, and if you like, you make way up here, wants to tell you a little story about that time you were in Limerick. I can't find her, can hey. I? She's oh, there. Jesus. Neil doesn't. This is Neil's good friend, Anne, and she told this story yesterday, and I said, I'm going to get you up on stage to tell this story. I am. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all right. Go easy. We don't have to worry. Um, no, I suppose it's just a story about um, what, a, as we all know, what a good person Paul actually is. Because um, you were down at a camp in UL a few years ago. Well, probably about 30 years ago now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, my dad brought myself and my two brothers to the camp. And my mission was to meet Paul. So, but you had you were leaving training early because Paul McGrath doesn't have to train as long as everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had I had brought my book and I was very disappointed that I didn't get to meet you. So we were in the car afterwards. My dad had a job to do, and he had if you remember the old mobile phones, they're like a brick basically. But I just got an idea into my head, and I was like, well, if he left, he must be gone back to the hotel. So I got my dad's mobile phone, rang directory inquiries, <laughs> rang the hotel. <laughs> it gets better. I may I'm have impersonated somebody. 
I may have impersonated somebody to get through to your room. We won't go there. <laughs> and then... This is good. Yeah, but in fairness... <laughs> but when I got through to the room, my two brothers were in the car. They were like, they couldn't believe what I was after doing. But the thing is that Paul, straight away, I said, I'm not who I said. I was, I was whatever. I thought he was going to hang up on me, but he didn't. He talked to me for about five minutes. He was very kind. I was doing my leave insert the next day, so... I think I was a little bit distracted, so you're the reason I didn't get on well in, in the match. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's, my, that's my claim to fame. I'm quite good at maths. Pity so, <laughs> I didn't know that, Paul. Oh, but no, and he signed my book. My man brought the book in the next day, and you signed it and everything. And, oh, you know, it was just such a kind thing to do. So, oh, thank you, lovely. Paul. Uh, no, thank you, and thanks for the story. Paul, she was way too nervous to tell you that she actually impersonated your wife on the phone to get through to it. <laughs> oh, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Yeah. So not only does, did I never have some kind words to say about Paul, but Paul, there's a couple of people that gave us a couple of things. Actually, I'm going to bring you over here, if you don't mind, Paul, after so that people can see the, 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 the screen here. But um, yeah. So just going to play this little video here. We've got some, some people who, when they found out that we were interviewing you, they said, look, we can't have this go without, um, without us getting involved in some way, shape, or form. Hi, Sean here. Paul's former centre half partner at Aston Villa for four years, 91 to 95. Um, bit about Paul. As most people know, very quiet, uh, very friendly, um, but totally the opposite on the football pitch. So Paul had this um, thing he used to do when he was going for headers, where he'd literally, as he was about to jump, he'd roar like a lion. And, and I think it just put centre-forwards uh, off and they sort of were half looking for Paul coming clattering through him. Um, meanwhile, he was well, well above him, heading the ball. Um, one of the funniest things I ever saw was Paul getting really angry on the pitch. Uh, we were playing uh, Chris, uh, oh, Sheffield Wednesday, actually. Uh, Mark Bright was the centre-forward and Mark had elbowed Paul uh, just on the edge of our box. And Paul was furious and Paul was hell-bent on running down at that point and literally ripping him to pieces. So uh, I went over to Paul and just said, listen, don't, don't panic. We'll get him back. Plenty of time. Um, well, within five minutes, I'd gone for a header with Mark Bright and it's in that on top of his head. His head burst open and the parrot was going everywhere. And uh, Paul just looked at me, wink of the eye, nod of the head, as if to say, job done, cheers, mate. to get his eyes stitched. And he walked through the door and guess who sat on the other bed? And you guessed it, Mark Bright. It's in Paul's face, it was a picture. Um, hope this is what you're looking for. Um, great lad, great partner, uh, and great friend. It's been a long, long time since I've seen you, but um, I'm hoping that you have a great time on the podcast with the guys. Um, I'm sure they'll look after you. Um, you're a top, top guy and utter, utter legend to myself and many a Villa fan. Uh, and I was so lucky to play with you. But um, 
Listen, have a great time, have a great show. Love you lots, mate. here of course just want to say thank you to you for those uh, very special couple of years we worked together um, and especially for the 95-96 season where of course we finished fourth in the Premier League um, got to the semi-final of the FA Cup and of course won the League Cup which is uh, represented by that uh, little picture behind me but uh, it was a pleasure and an honour to have worked alongside you and uh, just want to say thanks for everything God bless take care from the days when I was a local reporter uh, in the Midlands and you were playing for Villa. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to uh, interview you. It was even more of a pleasure to watch you perform. Those miracles out on the pitch, mate, always admire you. Brilliant. But the highlight for me, Paul, actually, was when we were at Bodymore Heath one day and you walked across to me and asked me if I would like this very shirt, your training top, the number five. Uh, which was surplus to requirements because Villa had changed their shirt sponsors and so you kindly gave it to me. It's one that I've cherished ever since, mate, and always will be. who was the best player I ever saw in my 39 seasons covering top flight football? There were some good ones, there were some very good ones, and there were some not some good ones. But as far as I was concerned, the best was only one Paul McGraw. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. We weren't telling lies. There's a lot of people there with a lot of love for you. A lot of people there. But what I wanted to ask Paul was, how true is Sean Teal's story? Should we... Um, He's a liar. (laughs) I wouldn't listen to Sean at all if I was you. Tipple for telling lies. Um... No, I know Sean was a brilliant player to play alongside, you know, but um, we struck up a really good partnership, you know. Um, mm. I, did, uh, I did most of the work, and then he just, <laughs> he, he, he just cleaned, up and cleaned up behind me. No, he was, he was brilliant. Sean was a really good player. He came to the game, I think, a little bit late. But, Jesus, he was a hard, hard footballer to get round and stuff like that, and he was just built like... Um, oh, I can't say that. Uh, he was built like a footballer. Okay. He was built like a footballer, and he was he was good at it. He was really really good at it. But he didn't come into the game too late. So, but he but again, we as I said, we struck up a great partnership, and and uh, the whole back four, and uh, 
we prided ourselves on not maybe giving too many goals away. I'm sure there's, you're going to find, you'll show me another video. <laughs> no, six videos are done. Six okay. flying in. <laughs> but but um, that's what we, we wanted to do. We thought if, if we can keep it down to one or two a game, and, um, then we'd have a chance of winning the league. So that's what we tried to do. And, and you mentioned Sean Teal there. You mentioned that you struck up a great partnership. You had quite a lot of partners, uh, defensive partners at, at Aston Villa. Who would you say, without a, you don't have to offend anyone, I suppose, really, but who would be the best, I suppose? Um, well, Sean would definitely be up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Derek Mountfield and Ken, when I first went there, they're the two people I signed, I signed with. Hmm. Um, and Kent Nielsen was frightening, like, he, in a tackle. Ooh. You know, I'd be the other side of the pitch and training, you know, when we were training together, because he was <laughs> unbelievable. And then you had Derek Mountfield, who scored so many goals as well. So, so I was very lucky with a lot of the, the defenders that I, I struck up a relationship with because they were um, a football relationship with. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, were, they were really, really good defenders. And it was brilliant when you do that because then you, you know you've got a great chance. If you're not letting in the goals, the other, the, all the glory hunters, I'd call them, <laughs> up the front... They can do whatever they want, yeah. and we, we'll take care. If they lose the ball, we'll, we'll, we'll win it back for them yeah. and stuff like that. And you, play, you played with uh, somebody who's no longer with us anymore, Ugo Ehiog, and I heard you speak about your partnership with him and with, with Gareth Southgate as well. Talk to us a small bit about that time of your career too. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Hugo was, uh, was frightening. Like, you know, he was, just, he, he was one of the quickest runners. He was... He was Hard in the, in the challenge as well, but but, and he was only a kid as well um, when when I was leaving, and uh, he had a huge front uh, future ahead of him. But it um, obviously uh, then then you get news um, like he's not well and all this sort of stuff, and and it's a uh, you know it rock you to the core because yeah. uh, he was he was a special footballer and he was a brilliant footballer as well. So and. Those sorts of things very rarely happen in football, but to, to Hugo, um, it was it was doubly devastating for me because he was just a friend, a really mm. good friend as well. So, but uh, but things like that, I suppose, happen in life more often probably now. Um, yeah. With the, some of the some of the governments we have in charge of. Us. <clears throat> Paul, we're sorry for uh, putting. Surprising you with those videos. I know you, you came to Limerick and Eamon Andrews is no longer with us, and you weren't expecting this is our life today. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Ah, no, that, that was lovely. It's always lovely to see the ads. Like, I, I'm going to uh, rob this question because I'm going to ask you about my favourite footballer. And if, the, if this podcast was, had been named by me, I would have called it For the Love of Steve Staunton, believe it or not. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, how was he? Um, I didn't like him. <laughs> uh, but, other, but, but other than that, but other, but, but other than that, no. Stan was um, Stan, oh, Stan was a one-off. Honestly, Stan when whoever made Stan a footballer broke the mold because he was he did just a left foot like no other. The wand. Foot. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Um, I wouldn't have seen. I wouldn't have said he was the greatest um, in a in a challenge and stuff like that. But right. but he um, he wasn't afraid of a, a tackle either, though. You know, so he was, he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Mm -hmm. And as I said, 
left foot. Him and um, uh, Kevin Sheedy, I think, would have been my two. Kirsty and Bray. No, hang on. Wait, the whole Irish team. <laughs> <laughs> they all have left foots. <laughs> my left foot. They, they, no, but I, I do think Stevie, Stevie saw, saw me. He used to take free kicks and put them in the top corner. I mean, who does that? Yeah, quite a few players. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we, were, we were blessed at, at that stage of the Irish team that we had loads of players who were actually very skillful players mm. and they were tough, tough boys as well. Yeah. So, um, and Stan was definitely. So you picked a really good uh, <laughs> no, to, a lad to boast about. Well, so boast on. We, we've got to be thankful for him because otherwise I was a Liverpool fan so he brought me to Aston Villa so. yeah. oh, it was, it, there was more Liverpool transfers than you thought Paul. Oh, oh hang on but um, just just well talking done, to well a few <laughs> talking to a few of the guys that come in and we all know that the age profile of, of the, the Villa fan is of a particular age and we're incredibly thankful for what Graham Souness did and for what, Paul, for what uh, Ron Atkinson did and let you go and to have that period where we had yourself, Staunton, Houghton, Townsend, it was incredible. And it's like, when you look around the room here, I, I'm sure you'd see people nodding heads and going, that's why we're Villa fans. So we're incredibly lucky that you did it when we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, well, I think we, we couldn't believe that we were getting some of these lads from Liverpool. And they were walking in, Dean Saunders and, and, and uh, Andy, um, not on anti Townsend, uh, Ray and Stan, and we're looking at them and going, "What? Do you mean they're coming to our club and they're playing for? They played for Liverpool two weeks ago, like, and they were all just coming to our club and playing brilliantly then. And of course, every time then we played Liverpool, they'd play really, really? brilliantly, <laughs> and so we'd even beat them. So uh, I, I was just, it was a crazy time in football though that some br players like the likes of Steve Saunton would be let go by a club because he was. A very, very uh, proficient player. Yeah. You know? uh, Paul, we we're speaking an awful lot about Ireland there and about Irish football as well. And look, I think a lot of people here of a certain vintage might, might remember a certain tournament in the United States in and around 1994. And I wanted to ask you about what I think everybody here will agree is probably the most iconic performance by any footballer of all time. <laughs> and Paul, I want to know. What was it like playing beside Tommy Coyne when he ran himself into the ground against Mexico, Paul? What was it? Shock, <laughs> shock. <laughs> no, I, we, it's, it's okay, lads. We, we asked Paul to empty his pockets before he came in, and Beppe Signore is up in, in a room upstairs um, because we're obviously talking about the Giant Stadium in 1994 against Italy. For me, I still regularly watch the highlights of that game and go, what a game. Talk to us, Paul. It's, 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 it's a game of high repute, not only just in Irish football, but spoken about all around the world. It's one of the best defensive performances of all time. Um, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Like. Um, no, it was, it was... The Italians had knocked... I don't know what you know. They knocked us out, I think, of the, the cup before. The yeah, in 1990, yeah. 1990. Scalacci. So, so we, act, we actually just... Oh, dear, now. But we... Um, so we owed them one. That's the way we felt. We didn't think. We didn't think. Well, that they're just the Italians. They're brilliant. They're absolutely superb. We just wanted to, to to give them one back. So that's the way we played the game, you know. And before the game, I think we went out in the same outfits. 
I mean, that's like just like <laughs> something we do. <laughs> and uh, then we had to go back in. We were able to relax when we back, went back in to change uh, into, into the uh, green and white. And... Um, I just think it, it all worked out. I, I, think Paul, I think, Paul, you're being really humble here because it was a bloody good performance. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was magnificent. No, I honestly think some of the kids, some of the kids played, uh, played not bad either. You know, <laughs> no, there was all over the pitch. I think we, we, we wanted to play that day, and we we really wanted to beat them simply. Mm. And this is true, Scott, simply because they had beaten us. They knocked us out in the quarterfinals, and uh, we we wanted to give them one back. Mm. Simple as yeah. that. Simple as that. The one thing that gets overlooked about that performance, Paul, is I'll take you back three months earlier when you woke up on the morning of the cup final and your shoulder wouldn't work and you had a virus in your shoulder which continued right up to USA 94. So you, 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 you not alone played that game under severe pain against Manchester United in 1994 and then went on to play in the same pain against Italy in the Giant Stadium. It's absolutely incredible what you did. Um, yeah, but I was obviously I'm wanting to play, like you know. But I did have to get a few injections up and down my shoulders before um, both those games. You know, Manchester United. I think we played in, in Wembley, and that was the that was the first time that that had happened. That I'd sat up all night and I was I was crying all night seriously, and I don't usually cry, not even to my physio Jim Walker. <laughs> but I was I was just sitting up all night crying, and I didn't know whether I would be able to play the game, and then. Um, Ron just said, "Give him, just give him injections, injections." But they were injecting. Yeah, sorry, they were injecting um, right, right up my shoulder and right up my back as well. So, and it was just going numb. So, it's looking my head. Didn't, you know, they didn't catch my <laughs> catch my brain. You were still able to head the ball. <laughs> but that that game, no, no. In, that game in particular, must have been a special one for you to go and, and stop Man United winning the treble that year. Oh, I was yeah, of course it did. But I, but I was still, I was just wandering around the pitch, thinking, when is this arm going to work, like sort of, sort of thing. And it just, it didn't work. It just came with me. Uh, but, but it was great because all, I think Ron played um, um, Steve Fenton, was it? Graham Fenton. Graham, Graham yeah. Fenton. Graham, sorry, Jesus, Graham. I mix him up with Steve Froggart all the time. Steve Froggart. <laughs> no, the, but when the young kids come in, you, you. you and he did so well, like, but, but to put him in a game like that where Giggs and Cantona and, and Rob, Robbo and everyone else are running around, that takes a lot of uh, guts because a, a young lad can get a little bit um, overwhelmed mm. when, when something like that happens. But I think he just went around charging at people and trying to kick people and stuff like that, which seemed like a, a good idea. But we, um, yeah, we were very lucky on that day as well, just to, to get by and, and obviously win, win the game, so we're yeah. delighted again. Do you, um, do you treasure those medals or do you even look at them or are they locked away somewhere? My, I'd say most of my kids have stolen them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they haven't. That's a joke. That's a joke. No. Um, yeah, my, my kids, I, you know, I, my kids would have one or two that, they, that I've handed to them, you know, because they'd know what to do better than I would. I'd... I'd, I'd you know, I'd swap one for a pint. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I could be liable to do that. I could be liable to do that. 
No, um, they're, they're for my children and stuff like that, but I do, I do have them and stuff like that, so I don't um, intend to give them to anyone, only my children. I'm conscious that we're, yeah. we're keeping you way too long at this stage, yeah. but to come, in, to come into this room and, and with 90% Irish people here, it would be mad of us not to ask you about Jack Charlton. Yeah, about Big Jack, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, um, just a great man. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, just a nice person. Yeah. Is is it true, Paul, that he called you James for like six months after he first joined the Irish team? Uh, yeah, he did. He, <laughs> you know, but it, obviously, uh, he he um, he didn't know a few of the Irish lads actually. So he just for a certain amount of time, he did call me James. <laughs> but um, you know, but. He was a he was a brilliant man to bring mm. in because he, he had that uh, aura about him that when he whatever he said uh, you were supposed to be doing it had to get done, and sometimes I used to just um, you know just jump on a plane and maybe end up <laughs> maybe end up in Israel or something just <laughs> just just for, just for the laugh of it just, want, just just to do something different and see and see would I be able to come back would would. You know, and I didn't, I, I didn't mean it out of badness or anything like that. I just thought, I wonder what would happen if, if, this, if I just did this. And uh, to be fair to Jack, Jack, I, I, I genuinely loved the man, so I, I didn't want to... I wasn't doing it just to be a devil. I, I was doing it to, to, just, to, just to get away from everything. Because so, I'm not really... I, I wasn't ever brilliant at speaking to people or talking to too, in, when there's too many around me and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was my way of just saying feck it I don't need this and, and, and then Jack used to always say you can come back and you won't be playing the next game and stuff like that he was always really decent to me so and yeah I love the man I love the man and I think all our players do and and I think Paul, that's that's a very fitting way to, I suppose, really wrap a bow around this around the podcast tonight. Um, Paul, you've given us so much, so much time. You've given us so much memories in the past. For me, this is a bucket list moment, absolutely ticked off, um, and it would never have happened only for you agreeing to come here today. And I, re I really, really appreciate that. And uh, I think on behalf of everybody here, I think to, to say thank you for everything. Just thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Everybody, you want to give it up again for Mr. Paul McGrath? We just bring up the house lights there, please.
just... <laughs> it's, do you know where in the movies you have to wait until the trailers are finished for a little bit extra after? Well, we did forget something slightly here. Uh, Paul, we wanted to give you a little bit of something to remember today, boy. And uh, we wanted to give you this fantastic uh, tankard from uh, Kevin Barry Crystal. It's adorned with our podcast logo, which you may or may not like, but also the Aston Villa crest and the word God on the, t on the, the tankard. So thank you so much. And a pair of socks from Six Sock who are down there as well. Aston Villa socks. I, f I actually forgot mine today. I'm not going to pull up my trousers and show you my air legs, but I forgot them today. But Paul, you'll, for when you're walking, for your next walking challenge, you have a fantastic pair of socks. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. So... So very, very, very last thing, actually. I keep, I forget my head if it wasn't screwed on. We have something to give away to you guys. We have something to give away to you guys here. And I'm going to make the long trip around. Yeah. Um, actually, do you know what, Paul? If you have two seconds, you can help me. Uh, just, just to pick out winners so that I'm not accused of, of, uh, of nepotism or anything like that. Um, for everybody here in the audience, we have... Yeah, yeah. And, and if anybody's holding the ticket number 11, turn it the right way around so you don't get confused. Um, <laughs> so, Paul, I want you to tell me when to stop. I'm not going to look. I've got a list of everybody's names here, and I want you to tell me when to stop. Is there uh, Stephen Kiley in the house? Stephen has won a signed Pomegranate Ireland jersey. Paddy, this time, Paddy, you tell me when to stop. Stop. Where's Kurt Wilson? I saw him, he came in earlier on. Where's Kurt Wilson, Kurt? You have won yourself a signed Pomegranate print from the wonderful Homebird. Irish design, homebird.ie. A fantastic sign print, wherever Kurt is. I can get it down to you. I saw you there a while ago. Excellent. There we go. Excellent. I'll get it down to you in a minute, Kurt. So, I know a team sheet has been announced at some stage, guys. We forget about it. There is no team sheet tantrum. We're going to enjoy this game, and we're going to enjoy beating the tar out of Sheffield United. Up the villa! Podcast Network.